Good afternoon. Good evening. I'm not sure if it's evening or afternoon at this point. I am at Coffee and Poets, uh, produced by Insa'a. This is the 21st edition, located over at the Naked Lounge on 11th and 8th Street. Mm-hmm. I am honored today to actually have the opportunity to interview one of my favorite poets, uh, Kuhn the Poet, mm-hmm. who is an award-winning spoken word artist. He's a youth advocate and mentor. He's a touring poet. He's been part of uh, multiple groups in terms of poetry, but he's done so much for the poetry community. Uh, I, I th- believe he have some stuff out there on Spotify and some other stuff uh, out there as well. Uh, but he's one of my favorite poets, not just because of the quality of the work that he does, but the heart and the spirit and the soul that he brings uh, to the occasion. So as we go through the interview today, I'm sure you're going to see a lot of the things that I've seen in Coon from the time that I've met him and worked with him and ate Zachary's pizza with the brother. Right on. That was some good pizza, by the way. Good pizza, good pizza, good pizza. (laughs) Real good pizza. So I'm going to jump into it and I'm going to start you with a real, you know, basic question that you get all the time that you always answer uh, at your shows. (laughs) Let's talk about the name Coon. Let's talk about know? the name Coon. Because, you know, today, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things happening in society and where, you know, people have been out of shape over racism and all kinds of things and really sensitive. Right. Yeah. You know, and I believe even in the Zimmer trial, you know, they were arguing about whether or not he called him a Coon or what he called him and the derogatory nature of that name. So I'm gonna let you speak on that. OK, so how I do want to kind of address it is, first of all, I'm going to ask your definition of Coon. Oh, if that's cool. And I know I just reflected Ooh. it and put it right back on you. But you try to run tricks on the uh, person doing the interview. I am I Sean just, King, your interviewer, by the way, because uh, uh, I don't believe we got that in there. Um, for me, I mean, Kuhn has historical references. OK. Um, you know, the obviously, you know, it's derogatory. It goes back, has the historical context. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like all things, you know, language is fluid for me. Yes, sir. You know, and so uh, before I met you. Coon was 100% derogatory. <laughs> you know, now I'm a little more on the fence. Okay. okay. <laughs> Definitely not in your case, but I want you to go ahead and explain it for me. So for me, and I, and I appreciate that definition. I believe that's also a lot of individuals' definition. My definition is family. Coon means family for me. Um, it also means legacy. Okay. So it's my last name. Okay. For those who, have not, who haven't gotten it. Um, and... Of course, I know it has raised a lot of eyebrows, especially traveling all the way to the East Coast, um, which is actually part of the South in okay. Maryland. You know, uh, there was a lot of there were some people that was offended. That offense caused them caused them to be curious too. Okay, it caused them to actually ask me to come out and perform. I felt like that was beautiful because it opened up it opened up the door and it opened up and it set up a platform for me to be able to explain and do actually. What my one of my intentions and um, and motives is when when it comes to this work, and that's to raise the consciousness and that's to break down um, myths and what we believe and what we think and mm-hmm. and also like understanding that it's not about what the word meant to you or what you define it as. It's about intentions, right? And so for me, like like I said, it's my last name. It's a family name. And when I say Coon, the first thing I think about is my grandfather. Okay. His older brother, who's a reverend. My grandfather, who's, who's a doctor. Okay. Um, spent a lot of years building um, esteem on our name. My gra- uh, His older brother, who did the same thing. And they both proudly, you know, Reverend Coon, Dr. Coon. Going into, the, I walked into the pharmacy with my grandfather and 
Mind, mind you, this is what this was my first time out there. Okay. I heard, hey, Cooney Coon, and I got excited. And I looked like <laughs> I was getting ready to say what's up, and I realized she wasn't talking to me. She was talking to my grandfather. And, you know, so I believe it. it is, you know, a name. It's not, the name does not make, or the word does not make us, but we made the name. Okay. You know. So after you've explained all of that, uh-huh. you know, to people. Yeah. Do you, st- you know, do they still... Do they just accept it wholesale? Is there still some trepidation out there? Uh, you know, do people still give you negative feedback and ask you questions like, well, why do you choose that name as your poet name, you know, based on what you're trying to do? So the thing is, I, yeah, I've been told, why don't I just call myself X? And that's especially by my real revolutionary folk. They was like, you might as well just, you know, <laughs> put X on it. And I'm like, all right, right on. But what they don't know is my his, my personal history with my name. And honestly, when I first found out the definition when I was young, when I was in middle school, when I found out when I found out what it meant mm-hmm. to others or what it meant in the past historically, um, I what I did say I told a lot of my teachers don't call me that. Um, I actually got into it with my PE my PE coach back at Valley High School. I was okay. in the, I was in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I was in I was in the gym. He was on the other. He's on the other side of the gym and he was like, young coon. And I looked at him and I yelled back. Plus, I didn't really care for him anyway. And I was like, man, don't call me that. <laughs> and then he said, and everybody stopped. It got real silent. Everybody was like, whoa. And then he was like, well, it's your name, isn't it? And I stopped. And I'm like, I couldn't argue back. Like, yeah, it is, man. But then when I actually started diving into my own family history, okay. you know, the, with in uh, learning from the fathers that came before me, okay, you know, and learning the struggles, the pains, the blessed sweat and tears put into our name, and and building esteem uh, for our name, and and pride for our name, um, and the fact that my great grandfather was actually uh, pr- proposed to by his cousin to change the spelling of our last name. Hmm. So some of my family actually did change the spelling to what to K O O N. Oh, okay. And then I have hmm. some, and then there are some that spell it with C-O-O-N-S. Hmm. Of my lineage, my, gra- my great-grandfather said, no, instead I'm going to have kids and they're going to put something in front of the name and, and they're going to change the name that way. Um, so I'm of that lineage. Okay. Yeah, so, so when, when you said you got into it, your PE coach, I thought you was going to come back and spree welling for a minute, but yeah, we, we had words. That was, that was a different time. I was a different man. I wasn't a man at all. I was still, you know, I was young. Yeah. Um, so somewhere along the way from the time that you were, were you doing poetry at that time? Uh, back in high school? Yeah. I was. I was. So I actually started writing when I was seven years old. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, introduced to, introduced to, Poetry and writing rhymes by my father. Okay, um, that was actually that was one of his passions, and that was his attempt to kind of build like a a, a stronger bond and connection between us to kind of like uh, mend what has been bro- what was broken between us. Because um, at that time he had just came back um, into our lives, into you know, into the household because he had okay. left for three and a half years. Um, and poetry. You know, writing rhymes, that was our way of connecting. That was like the best language that we could ever speak to each other. Even when I, I didn't understand him, he didn't understand me. When we started putting rhymes together and started creating, we we spoke the same language and we understood each other. And even now, like even if we don't say anything to each other, it's like when we start, he'll, he'll, I'll start rhyming or I'll start, doing, I'll start reciting a piece and I watch his eyes open up and we'll start connecting in that way. And the fact of the matter is... Um, what I'm doing, it was my father's dream. 
Okay. And it's so, like I said, as, as legacy, this is something I'm carrying for him because his dream was uh, kind of stifled. It wasn't, it wasn't supported. Um, and I actually got the opportunity, uh, the opportunity to experience what he actually went through nice. when I went out to the East Coast. And I actually got to know his side of the family. My coon side. Okay. Um, and I got to see some, and I got to understand my father a little better. And I realized, like, probably midway in my journey, that I was actually walking in my father's shadows and his mm. footsteps and actually, like, walking the same route that he walked when he went back to okay. the East Coast. It got deep. <laughs> it got real deep. So, so, let me, so let me back you up a little bit. Okay. So you said you were a different man, you know, back at that time in high school. When I was younger, yeah. But you said you also started writing poetry at seven years old. So you've been writing poetry consistently in rhymes. Mm -hmm. What was that content matter during that time frame? So, Because I know you was an inspirational poet today. Okay. Um, you know, you reflect light and, you know, positivity, and you come in and you rock the room. But if you were a different man, what was the content of the poetry at that time? So when I, like when I first started, especially, mind you, in high school and in middle school, it was like right in the after the movie Eight Mile came out. Okay. So it was during like for us, the battle rap era had just got started. Okay. You know, so we were it was ciphers everywhere at school, the lunch tables, um, in, in the classrooms, and so and I was still and I had I had poems that I would bring to the cipher until those got booed out. <laughs> like real talk, like um, I was actually one of my boys. Um, he's actually doing this thing now day uh, today. Um, he, uh, he's a he's an MC, Apollo Cuts. Shout out to him. Okay, um, we were actually battling. Well, really, I just wanted to. I just I just love doing this. I just wanted to recite. I'm like, oh, y'all hitting the beat? Yeah, let, let me get on Freestyle Friday. All right. So and then I when I drink my poetic potion, I get a notion to be as deep as the ocean. And everybody stopped and they were listening. And they were and they were listening to what I was what I had to say, but who I was battling was like, oh, I'm about to eat him up. He, <laughs> and so he went in and kind of like trashed everything I was talking about and was like, man, that's whack. And he started actually going because at that time I didn't freestyle, right? You know, and then because you said you came in with your yeah with, with your my, poetry written yeah. for the cipher, exactly. Okay. I'm and, with you. <laughs> it got deep, man. And, and so, and then so after that course my little you know my little small ego at the time which I really didn't it was small to begin with at the time you know my steam and all that was real small it was it was to the ground but I went home and I and I, and I stood in the mirror and I started just opening my mouth and speaking and I started and I just started practicing if you will okay and every and I really at that time what I would do I would just channel my emotions and whatever I was feeling I would just spit it out um and then after I spit it out I'll try to make it make sense later um, and that's still like one of my creative processes to this day. Okay. So I went, I went home and I, and I actually like kind of premeditated, uh, this, uh, this verse about homeboy, which is my, which is my boy. And I went back and I, and I battled him with that verse, but that actually started me, uh, freestyling. Um, so yeah. Um, so what, so what point did you start making a transition from freestyle rap artists, hip hop, mm -hmm. cypher, mm -hmm. uh, to spoken word, um, Illegal tag team, if you will. Uh, so go ahead. So even in the midst of all right, so because I know for the people out there, they really because illegal tag team was just kind of thrown in the air. Uh, <laughs> but so yeah, I'm a, I'm illegal tag team is my uh, that was my spoken word duel. That that's my that's my family. That is where that is my origin. Um, but even deeper, my origin is illegal, which was my very first 
um, rap group or music okay. group. We were a music group. Um, we had a singer. Um, but that was also kind of in a way uh, my refuge for when I, and now I'm, t- I'm getting ready to take us to another place. When I first got out of the hospital when I was 15 years old, that was like my therapy. We would come together. Uh, we would, I had a karaoke machine and we would okay. ho- go out to my garage and we would rehearse and get ready to go to the studio. Um, and, and we did. And that, and that is what kept me, that is what helped me heal. And, uh, um, you know, internally. Um, so I do believe that it takes a little bit longer to heal emotionally okay. and mentally and spiritually um, when wounded than it does physically. So, and I know I'm kind of just kind of talking about this out the blue, but I will, I will, we can go back to it and touch yeah, on it we, a little bit will. deeper. But when I was shot three times um, when I was 15 years old, they told me in four months, so the bullet actually hit my spine. They told me in four months my spine would heal up. So I was in a back brace for four months after I got out the hospital. Mm. which I was only in the hospital for 10 days. Wow. Which is a blessing. And I have no problem with acknowledging that. And I know who did that for me. I know it was because of God that I'm still alive. Four months um, healing, you know, my spine in place and uh, with a back brace to hold my spine in place. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in the midst of all of that, I'm 15 years old with my my rap group, my boy Trouble, mm-hmm. Lorenzo McNeil, also known as Trouble Sin. Right. And then my boy uh, Sean Courier, which was a Caucasian brother yeah. who, who had a whole lot of flavor and a whole lot of talent. And we, so we actually connected. after We actually all formed after I got out the hospital. And then we went. So we went to the studio. I'm in a back brace, the youngest. But at that time, I looked the oldest because. As you can see my size. Um, and I was also, so one of the bullets actually punctured and penetrated my lung. So I had a breathing apparatus while I'm in the studio. And for those who actually been in the studio and actually like had to lay a verse down to a beat, it's timed. Right. And it takes a lot of breath. It takes a lot of lung capacity. I had a punctured lung. So I'm in a studio. Wow. <sighs> And I'm and I'm going in and I'm pushing out my I'm pushing out all my pain. I'm pushing out all my hurt. I'm pushing out everything. That very first album mixtape that we recorded, the majority of the songs were my original songs. Mm-hmm. And they were all very heartfelt and very, if you will, kind of dark because I was coming out of a place where I thought I was going to die. Right. I almost died. There were some songs on there by the name of Letter to My Loved Ones talking about um, pretty much if I go tomorrow, this is what I want to tell you. Because I didn't, you know, at the age of 15 wow. in March, I didn't believe I was going to make it to the summer. I didn't believe I was going to like make it to my adult years. That's why I stand here or sitting here at 26 years old. It's a blessing to me. And I know that and I acknowledge that, which is why I made so much of a big deal of it. Like each year that I have a birthday, I make so much of a big deal of it because it's, you know, is that serious yeah, to me? Man, 10 I'm- years later, like what? Absolutely. This is a dream. This is one of those dreams I'm living. And you still have the three of the bullet holes, the bullet wounds in you, right? I so I do. I do have the bullet wounds. Um, I have one. I have the the very first bullet still in. It's actually in my arm now. That was a bullet that actually went. It went through. It hit my back. It went through the left side of my back. Hit my spine. Ricocheted off my spine and hit my right lung. Mm. While I was in the hospital, that bullet was lodged in my armpit. Sometime after I got out the hospital, it moved to my arm, and it's been in my arm, my right arm, for about uh for ten years now. Wow, 
Uh, so yeah, so I'm gonna break it up a little bit. And okay. Let you because uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna have you. So I'm gonna have you do a piece. Okay. You know, of your choosing. Of my choosing. Uh, you could pick something that's current, or you can go back to that time frame when you were uh, in that place that you were in before. Uh, but you know, let's let them know what Coon the poet is, because we're talking. But you know, let's give them something else too. Have you heard the story about the little boy whose life was saved by poetry? I mean, literally. Nursing himself back to good health, lyrically. One rhyme at the heavy line at a time with each verse, his pain was reversed, taking him one heartbeat further away from being a flat line, giving his back the embrace to keep a straight face in a crooked place. Trust me when I say it ain't so easy being a stand-up guy with a cracked spine, but he cracks a smirk. Because he has this outlet to let out this manufactured hurt, storing up pain to turn to peace, piecing together these fractured pieces like, man, these raps do work, rhythm and poetry, unwrapping the anger that kills off most of his species rapidly, rhythm and poetry at a rapid speed, driving him away from that darkness that hides in his back seat, rhythm and poetry, that shovel digging up that rubble that's buried deep. And so he goes deep. No time to waste, to get rid of that toxic waste. Some would say he stole deep, but if only they knew the half. Because only 10 years ago, he couldn't move his bottom half. For a whole entire day, he lost his legs. But I guess he has some moves to make. So God felt fit to give him back. Y'all got to understand, for him, I mean, yeah, for me, this is more than just a hobby. This is a way of life. If I was not doing this, I probably would not have life if I wasn't utilizing my gift I'd probably be doing 25 to life but at the age of 20 now 26 I write I fight I live I breathe through my life support the poetry that's that fire is that right? That's the That's fire. Right. All glory to God, man. Yeah. All glory to God. So I think the first time I saw you spit, we were over at Mahogany. Okay. Uh, that was back when you were, it was the legal tag team. Yes, sir. Uh, you guys had the merchandise. Yes, sir. You had, I think you were selling everything. You might have had even illegal <laughs> tag team bean pies and just all kinds oh, of stuff. going in, man. That was, <laughs> when I look back, man, I, I, I really, I, I almost want to really, not even almost, I do want to drop a tear when I look back at how everything kind of came about. And so, like, to kind of, like, back it up a little bit. So, the tag team came from the the music group Illegal. Right. So, it was the bond that me and my boy had. And that, and that also kind of came from me being in the hospital. Um, you know, I had a lot of family come see me, um, some friends come see me. My boy Trouble was on punishment at that time. My, you know, <laughs> teenagers, mom's real strict, but I love her like an auntie. But she, um, she, he was on punishment. He called me in the hospital on the phone. And he was like, and mind you, at this time, we weren't that tight. We really didn't know each other like that. We were just okay. formulating. We we're trying to formulate a music group. He was actually a friend of my brother's okay. at the time. My brother kept telling him like, yo, my brother really got heat. Y'all should put him, y'all should make him a part of your, your, your rap group. And I'm like, I really just wanted to do poetry. Right. <laughs> so, what I, so I was like the poet kind of coming in, spitting a lot of deep, kind of like Emotionally conscious stuff. Okay. <laughs> the young the young one. So we, we weren't that tight. We didn't really know each other. But he called me in the hospital and he was like, How you doing, G? And I'm like, you know, man, I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm trying to put it on the front. Like, I'm all right, man. I'm good. And he was like, Well, look, check this out. <clears throat> when you get out the hospital, we're going straight to work. We're going to the studio, 
You don't have to worry about anything. And if anybody say anything to you, I got your back. At that time, those words meant the world to me because um, loyalty was an issue. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I realized, like, a lot of people, a lot of people weren't my friend that claimed they were. So hearing those words meant the world to me. But it was like, OK, at the end, at the end of the day, those could just be words. Mm -hmm. But it was when I got out the hospital, uh, my boy came over, came over with all his notebooks. And he was like, come on, let's go. Like, where we going? He was like, man, don't trip. We just rolling. So we ended up going to the studio. Um, and he, he, you know, we he connected me with another friend of ours who became part of the group. Okay. And then another singer who became a part of the group. Um, and it was just building from there. But the whole time, it was like, there's, what I would say is there's a lot of people um, that after going through, quote unquote, traumatic experiences, not no quote at all, traumatic experiences and, you know, violent experiences and traumatizing experiences, um, they go through a state of depression mm -hmm. right after that. I didn't have time for that because it was music. It was poetry. Okay. It was love. It was, it was friendship. <clears throat> so that was our bond. Um, so you had an outlet. Yeah. That helped. Most definitely. Therapeutic. Um, so at that time I was 15. That's like 2005. Time went on. We uh, continued to build a group. We laid down our first album. Um, we're young at this time. We're starting to grow up. So the group began to kind of like, everybody started making decisions like, I don't know what I want to do when I'm finished growing up. Like, okay. I don't know if I really want to <clears throat> pursue this. I knew because this actually, this is one of the things that saved my life. I knew okay. that I wanted, I, I, didn't, I didn't care in what capacity. I knew that I would be doing this as an old man. That's what I knew. And I wanted to use my gift to support my family, mm. to support my household, to raise my kids on. You know, that's what I always knew. And I, and I knew that was just in my heart. So me, me in trouble, we, we kept pushing with it. While we were like out hanging out, we was, we on, we'd be on the light rail and we would like merge some of our verses and they would sound very spoken word like. Right. Um, and especially when it came to <laughs> ladies. That would be, you know, that would be an opening conversation. Yeah. Lawrence, yeah. <laughs> Lawrence is like, I was waiting on you to touch on that right. because I heard some of you. Right. So the thing is, too, the other the other part that connected us was the fact that coming into the group, we both had experienced heartbreak right. at the time at a young age, both of us. So a lot of our pieces were like, were not necessarily, love, I guess they could fall in a category of love pieces, but they were more so like heartbreak pieces, huh. getting rid of that pain. A lot of poets get started that way, too. Yeah, it's that, <laughs> it's that passion. It's that passion that pushes it. Um, so we would do those. And it, so we would like recite some of those verses out and about for whatever lucky lady walked by and, and caught our eyes. So just just randomly just walk up to her and instead of giving her rose or something, just like <laughs> it was it was like you, you telling her about your heartbreak. I mean, it don't sound romantic. It, it, but see, the way it was because it was all about delivery. And, and a lot of times my boy, would be, you know, Trevor would be like, hey, do you like poetry? And she'd be like, and, and whoever she was, she yeah or no either way whatever her their answer was it was like but listen to my boy real quick and he always put me on the spot and i'm like hey man you, like i really didn't i was cool i'm just sitting here getting some sunlight you know um and then he'll chime in and then we'll kind of like right. almost that same kind of what you know if you you've seen us perform that very organic um, right. feel just kind of like very cypher like 
Um, now, were these women that, that you guys had an interest in? It would, yeah, it would be okay. like that. A lot of times, it'd just be yeah. us um, making making conversation because we really like like to just make conversation so, and making new friends. I'm gonna get off track a little bit. So, how does that work? Say, Trouble has an interest in this girl. He puts you on first. Oh man! And she, you know, she's digging you, not you know more than him. How does that work? How did or, it work? How has, did it work? Because mind you, that was almost ten years. That was just, almost ten years ago. Right? I'm just asking a and question because you know I don't. If I'm if I'm looking at somebody, I'm not going to put my boy procedure. on first. Like, hey, you no, nah, I got to take care of that. <laughs> we, that's funny because we did have like a like a like a system, an unwritten system, an unspoken about system. Okay, it was kind of like whoever if we. <laughs> Mind you, I'm speaking past tense. This was yeah. like 10 years ago. So you don't have a system man. today. I mean, man. my system I is pretty it. much, you know, I stand on my own too. But it would be if I find her attractive or if you, a lot of times, and this is how the tag team was formulated, <clears throat> because we weren't going by the tag team at the time. It would be, right. It, it, and it always would be him initiating, Coon, you see her? You start, <laughs> I finish. Tag team. Okay. Acting, so it would be like that. Mind you, we, we young. All right, so y'all don't judge us out there. I know it sounds kind of corny. I know it sounds corny, but it was real and it was working too. But, but nah, um, my man. Yeah, man. Ah, y'all bringing out everything, huh? Okay, so it would it would be like that. It would you start, I finish. Um, and we just it really would just be like a conversation, like, hey, how you doing? We're we'll gonna be like, so yeah, what's your name? So this is my boy Gone. I'm like, we'll, 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 we do we're we're poets, we we'll, we are we write poetry, what do you like to do? Whatever the conversation was. Um, what I learned honestly, a lot of those those friendships that we started even way back when, even if it started out on a on a, on an attraction tip. The, a lot of those good friends are still friends to the day, to this day and supporters of the art that we that we uh, that we did and the art that that we still do. Nice, you know. So it started out in the malls <laughs> and came to the poetry scene, in a sense. <laughs> so started out at the malls. Yeah, the malls, the light rails. That's, that's hardcore. Yeah, shout out to Art and Mall. <laughs> that's that's pretty hardcore. Y'all kicked us out numerous times for being young. And African Americans <laughs> and wanted to hang out and have a good time in, in Sacramento, where there in wasn't Sacramento. a lot of places to hang out. Exactly, safe places at that. So you touched on a couple of things earlier. I tried um, to. One of them that I want to touch on now is your creative process. Okay. Because okay. you know, a lot of times, you know, spoken word artists, right? You go out there, you hit the scene, you're doing your poetry. Uh-huh. People in in audience, they're inspired, but they're intimidated, right? So what is your what is your creative process? Is everything that you write just a masterpiece, just right off the bat, or, or walk us through, you know, what it's like for you? I have multiple creative processes. Um okay. I I I do wanna say this, and as I'm grow, growing more mature in my art form, in this in the in writing, I I I can admit and I can say, like, I don't necessarily write my pieces. It is a spirit it is it is it is very spiritual. Okay. And they are given to me. And I know these are God-given pieces. These are words um, that are placed inside of me that I that I have to deliver out and minister out. And I, and I understand that. Um, or use the minister, if that makes sense. Um, so a lot of times for some pieces, it actually does take a long period of time for me to write. Okay. Um, one of my most popular, some may call it a signature piece. It is my signature piece. Um, anniversary, actually talking about the day you know the day I was shot um, talking about that whole ordeal that actually took about three years to write and complete wow and it, I think I think it has a lot to do with my process how I process things but really I I don't like to force 
Mm-hmm. I don't like to force anything <clears throat> out because, and I have done that, especially when you have deadlines, you have to write on the deadline, have to right. finish something by a certain time so you can go to the studio or so you can submit it to be a part of this um, article or whatever. I like to come out very organically and honestly and genuinely. Okay. And I want to make sure that I, I'm also kind of like a perfectionist when it comes to, to my to my craft. Okay. You know, I like it to be perfect. I like it to to have the right sound, the right the right passion behind it, um, the right word choice. I will go back and edit and edit and edit. And sometimes I do, this is another piece, another part of me, and I'll go ahead and share this. I normally don't, and I normally wouldn't, but I kind of like you, Sean, so you know. <laughs> But I do a lot. Some of my editing editing takes place on stage, like in the moment, right in the moment. Nice. Like I like I'll you know I'll be in in a, a lot of times it has to do with my audience too. Okay, you know whatever energy I'm feeling from the audience, or if I'm really if I feel like I'm pulled to talk to a specific person, I might really direct what I'm saying to that person, and I might change a few words rather than say me. I might say you, nice. um, because I do understand and I realize that although I wrote it for me originally to get the pain out or whatever out, I do know that there was hundreds, thousands, maybe millions of people going through similar things, are going through the same thing. So so as you're going through your creative process, at what point do you share it out? So do you share it as you're writing it, as you're working on it, or you get it to a point to where you're editing? Do you have people that are close to you that you share it with at that time? Or do you, you know, do you hold on to it? Another another one of my processes I, so I, I stated earlier that I went into the mirror when I was young and I was just like spitting words out. I still do that. Okay. I'll stand into the mirror and I'll look at myself and I'll. And, and by the way, for everybody that can't see him, he's, he's looking sharp. He definitely got <laughs> dressed up for you today. Uh, so I did. Know, it's, it's, I, I thought this was going to be like a live filming. <laughs> I'm really like. I don't know why my appearance was brought up. <laughs> you were talking about a mirror. I'm the mirror. Usually. Okay, so that's, I don't want to, okay. A lot of times I don't even have clothes on. When I, anyway. <laughs> it gets, because I- You go edit that, right? <laughs> and we don't need to, because it gets, I'm going to be I'm honest. Like, so there was a show that I did when I was out, and we're going to talk about this, when I was out in Baltimore called The Naked Truth. Okay. Shouts out to Nova Gray, uh, presented by Nova Gray. But- it does feel good to get a little naked sometimes. And I feel like in order to really like see yourself, know yourself, for me, it's another, it's a spiritual thing. Even when I pray, sometimes I'll take everything off to really just be the way that I came onto this earth. Okay. You know, and be connected to, to the father in that way. And it, but I do, you know, as I'm working out as well, like I'll, I'll, I'll work out and I'll be like kind of creating a piece at the same time. Okay. Um, and sometimes I'll stand into the mirror and I'll look in my eye, look into my eyes more so. Um, and I look into myself because I like to dig deep in, inside myself and dig deep into my past and really like because I am on a mission to tell my full story. And I do, as you can kind of see how this conversation is going, I do like give bits and pieces and increments and like randomly I'll start in a random place, wherever, however I'm feeling at the time. That's true. That's yeah. real. That's real. Yeah. So that's one of my, one of my processes. I'll start freestyling first. Okay. Um, you got a freestyle ready for us now? Do I have a freestyle ready? <laughs> like, I don't even know how to answer that question. Like, because if freestyling is not ready, um, you know, it shouldn't be ready. I was just and, testing. I was just um, testing you. But, you know, a lot of people don't really freestyle anymore. They call it freestyle. So, they, you know, they, you, you can tell it's exactly. a well-rehearsed freestyle. Exactly. And so, honestly, the point to it is really to get out the real. And a lot of people, because we live, we, we live in a judgmental society now, that's something else I wanted to touch on. 
the reason why, like, because I understand that poetry chose me and I also chose it. The reason why, like, I loved it so much is because I felt like, of course, you know, I was judged a lot, as a lot of us are, um, especially with this melanin, especially okay. with my size. Okay. Um, judged a lot, especially with a hard stare that I have on my face, the hard, hard look or whatever. Um, but poetry was a way where I could speak my truth, judge free, um, in, a, in a safe environment. Well, it, it started out that way. I'll okay. say that. I'll say it started out that way. Um, and I loved it because of that. I was able to explain myself to when my teacher gave me the floor every Friday. Shouts out to Miss Harlan at Valley High School, ninth grade. Not ninth, your PE teacher. No, no, no. This was actually one of the ladies that I, I did butt heads, butt heads with her as first, at first. Okay. Um, and then when she found out that I wrote poetry in ninth grade, she called my mom and was like, I have a poet laureate in my class. At that time, I didn't know what a poet laureate was. And I was like, <laughs> it sounds nice. Is that what you want to call me? Okay. But then she gave me the floor um, every Friday oh. to to recite a new poem. And, and I and I did that. And it, it helped the kids in the classroom kind of understand me because um, I was kind of quiet. I would be quiet. Um, that was then? That was that was. That are, you, was are you still that way now? Which way? It's quiet. There will be times where I, where I I learned it's very important to sit back and soak up rather than put out all the time. So there are times where I'd be very quiet. Um, and it's that's also part of my process as well, because I, I'm taking in okay. everything. Um, and also sometimes when because we do live in a judgmental society, when things come out real organic and come out too organically, People will judge them, judge them. Right. And they're not really not really understanding where it comes from. Poetry was a way for me to explain where I'm where I come from um, and where everything that is me comes from. Let's let's back up and get that signature piece, because you I don't want to get too far away from yeah, that. Yeah, I know you, you mentioned that. I know. And I know some people may not have heard the signature piece before. Uh huh. So let's let's jump into that. Let's anniversary. I'm feeling scared like a baby like in the nursery. This is the day of my anniversary. Of the first time that I had to be rushed to emergency. This is the day of my anniversary. Thinking about the bullets hitting my body is hurting me. This is the day of my anniversary. So if I act a little paranoid, just work with me. This is the day of my anniversary. March 1st marks the curse, the worst. The first time that I almost nearly marched to the hearse, I'm feeling it hurt. The bullets hit in my body, I'm thinking inside. Man, I can't believe that he shot me. I'm running through the house. I started to pause. I looked back. I could see my blood hitting the wall. I started to fall. My legs not working at all. My cell phone's ringing. I pick it up and answer the call. Bro, he shot me. Call 911. Then a phone slipped out my hands. My body was turning numb. I prayed to the Lord not to let me go. If it really was my time, you should have let me know. I would have got ready, packed my bags for the journey. Or duck and dodged and avoided the gurney because this is the reason why I'm twitching my eyes. All this drama steady bringing me trauma. I'm, I'm traumatized. I'm feeling scared like a baby lying in the nursery. This is the day of my anniversary. Of the first time that I had to be rushed to emergency. This is the day of my anniversary. Thinking about the bullets hitting my body is hurting me. This is the day of my anniversary. So if I act a little paranoid, 
please, just work with me. This is the day of my anniversary. A couple minutes passed. I knew I was going to die. I closed my eyes and got ready for the other side. I leaned against the wall, accepted my death, took my last breath, turned and looked toward my left. And there he was again with this finger on the trigger. Everything was getting dark. All I'm seeing is the figure. The second bullet's coming. I put my arm up to block it. Even though I'm feeling nothing, I knew I didn't stop it. Inside of me, I'm hearing my pulse. This ain't a joke. Every time my heart beat, blood came out of my throat. I thought it was all she wrote. But I guess she kept writing. Because as soon as I thought I was dying, I heard sirens. I'm feeling scared like a baby lying in the nursery. This is the day of my anniversary. Of the first time that I had to be rushed to emergency. This is the day of my anniversary. Thinking about the bullets hitting my body is hurting me. This is the day of my anniversary. So if I act a little paranoid, come on, King, just work with me. This is the day of my anniversary. I wake in the hospital, barely alive, barely can see. But still watching my family cry, I can't even speak. So everything I said, I had to write it down. Blood pressure was going up, which means I had to calm it down. I'm laid up, three tubes in my chest, one in my nose, one in my throat, and one in my neck. I'm feeling stressed. Inside, I'm dropping tears, and I'm praying prayers, because I know that life after the bullet, well, that's very rare. My mama's close to the bed. I can't hug her. I grab my little cousin's hand and tell her I love her. Look to my brother, and I begged him not to take revenge. Looked to the Lord, and I asked him to forgive me for my sins when the tubes came out. My first words spoken, Grandma, dying is the easy part. But living will leave you broken. But the more pain I was feeling, the more I was healing. And I didn't know it at first. But now the truth is revealing that I was brought on this earth and shot on this earth for a reason. I had been through the worst and I'm still on this earth and I'm, I'm breathing. So whatever else happens can't be too worse to me than the day. My day. My anniversary. Wow. What? You say you're 26. Yeah, Man. just May 26th, uh, July 17th. It's, it's not that you look older. It's okay. just that you have an old soul. Is that right? You know, it's just like you've been here. You have a wisdom about you. You have a light about you that, that goes back. Mm. So, now you were recently touring around the country doing poetry, right? I was. Now, well, west coast to coast, west okay. coast to the east coast. So, in Sacramento, obviously you made a name for yourself, you know, well-respected, uh, well-loved. People come good. out to see you. Really? So what's it like when you leave Sacramento and you go somewhere where people maybe haven't heard of you? Mm. You know. So first and foremost, the whole entire tour in itself was a journey. It was more than, it was more than just the poetry aspect. It was really me um, clearing some of the negativity from like, you know, when you're in a place for so long, it's just so much that you that you uh, kind of collect. And so the drive in itself. So I, I did get into my car by myself, me and God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I will I will say that. Um, and I drove. And I drove 3000 miles, but it wasn't just a straight shot. I uh, I went from here to Salt Lake City and my whole mindset was to. Each city that I, each city, each state, state that I uh, that I step into, I'm going to explore it because I had I never had the opportunity to, to do so. Salt so, Lake, huh? okay. So I'm going to explore everything. I'm going to find I'm going to find a poetry scene if they don't have one. 
I'm going to try to inspire somebody to create one. That was my mission. It was it was on that tip. I'll go to a random bar um, and as long as they have a microphone. So you uh, go to a karaoke spot and just karaoke take it over for poetry. If the, the, like, I don't even like, need the music. Just, I just can I share my heart. It's, you know that was that was okay. <laughs> that was where I, where, <laughs> where I was at, and that's that was a part of my uh, my journey as well. Okay, um, Salt Lake City was a place. So you know I needed my rest. So I, I drove twelve hours from here to Salt Lake City. Okay, stopped in Salt Lake City. I was like, oh, it's pretty here. Yeah, let me explore a little bit. <laughs> um, it was early in the morning when I got there. I was like, let me explore. Um, Got a room later on that night, got out, did some driving around, realized, huh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe this maybe this ain't the place for me. <laughs> like, I was one of the only ones with my skin tone. As a matter of fact, I was the only one I didn't see anybody else at all, and they have never seen yeah. nothing else that looked like me ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It was fun yeah. though. It was yeah. great. Just because yeah. I love interacting with you. Yeah. I've been I've been through Salt Lake City, so it's a snowy yeah. it's a snowy place. I call it that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very snowy. A lot of a lot of salt. A lot of a lot a lot of salt in the lake, man. Uh, but even then, and so like kind of going back to my family, um, to like also to who my grandfather is. Uh, he. And the fathers that came before me. So it was kind of like, and I didn't realize this until I got like halfway through my journey, but it's kind of like a rite of passage for the men in my family to drive cross country. Hmm. Um, my grandfather was in was in the Air Force and okay. he drove back and forth uh, from California to uh, Pittsburgh, Maryland, all that, um, all the way to the East Coast. Nice. Back and forth from the West Coast to the East Coast. My father did the same while he was in the Army. Uh, matter of fact, I was actually born in Sharon, Pennsylvania, which is about I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Cause you see that on my Facebook page. Yeah, I seen it. You know, I do my research. I see. Right <laughs> on, man. Um, so I was actually born out there um, on the military base, which is so. Sharon is about maybe like an hour away from Pittsburgh. Um, my my grand my my grandfather and all his siblings were actually born in the Pittsburgh area. Okay. A small town called Clarendon. Um, I so I was born on a military base out there, and then when I was about six months, my mom, my dad, myself, and my my older brother drove okay. to California where my mom is from. Um, and so like I did that trip before as a baby. Right? <laughs> it was like, so I did that ride before. So it was almost okay. like I need to reconnect. <laughs> almost in the sense, it was, it, was a, it was a spiritual thing to do that drive again, but this time to do it, um, to do it on, by myself and kind to allow, allow God to take care of me. And that's, that's what happened, especially in Salt Lake City. Um, <laughs> Especially in Salt Lake City, um, I actually the reason why I say that is because you know when you step out and you step out on faith mm -hmm. and you start and you start your journey. Every 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 hero that has their journey will go through tests. Um, so there were a few like trials and tests that I did come up against. Um, okay. Just small things. I did get pulled over by the police in Salt Lake City. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. It was. It was actually speeding. A, uh, <laughs> that's what they. That's what they told me. Um, it, it then, but then he actually admitted that it was a speed trap. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, okay, but it was like a 65. I, it was. I was going 75 and a 65. 
Yeah. It was 75, and then it went down real quick. And I was, at that time, I was just, like, excited to get back on the road. I had my music up. So you were uh, leaving Salt Lake at that time? I was leaving. Oh, okay. I was yeah, leaving. I understand. I was getting the battery. <laughs> it was peaceful, though. I got my rest. I got the rest that I needed. I stayed there for two days to rest. Okay. Um, but I, I was leaving. I, the reason why I was so excited is because I went to the gas station um, after, I left, after I checked out of my room, and I was on E!, I went to the gas station. I had, you know, I had collected a lot of money from support of my city, mm-hmm. loved ones, family, fellow artists. Shouts out to Inside Eye. Okay. You know, who supported and dropped dropped a few dollars. A penny is everything to me. Okay. So I I, I did have a lot of, not enough, I had enough um, in my account. But when I went to the gas station and tried to get some gas, came back to Klein. Mm. So I'm on E in Salt Lake City. <laughs> I'm on E now at the gas station and my card has declined. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on because I just looked at my account and I had at least a few hundred. Um, soon as, and that's when I knew that I was being tested again. Um, stepped out. I went to my car. And immediately I just started praying. But I said, no matter what, I'm going to show up to the battlefield. In other words, I'm going to continue to keep pushing forward. Right. Um, and when I, as soon as I redirected my thoughts in that manner, I got a phone call. This is a fraud prevention service. This would go to one credit union. Uh, and they wanted to verify because I was moving, I was traveling. They wanted well, to verify my They got your profile. They're looking at you. It's Coon the Poet. <laughs> Somebody's trying to use your card in Salt Lake City. I understand. I would be calling too. <laughs> All of that. So, <laughs> as soon as I verified uh, my transactions, my card turned back right. on immediately. So I got my gas, and that's why I was so excited, and I was speeding. I'm like, yo, this journey is real. Because, mind you, the hardest part was leaving. Okay. That was the most – there was a lot of battles that I I, I came up against. A lot of them were very – and and I'll say this again, spiritual. Because – so my family, you know, um, my my loved ones, the ones that are closer closer to me or closest to me, I started – getting a lot of pushback, a lot of people pushing away from me. Um, those last few weeks, last couple months, really were probably like some of the lonely, loneliest. Okay. Um, a lot of people were feeling like I was abandoning them and I was leaving them and I would never come back. And I would hmm. go out there and I would, um, you know, <laughs> whatever the dream is, I guess. You okay. know, find, you know, start a family, um, start building up there, get famous, get discovered or whatever the case and never come back. And I'm like, where are y'all getting this from? Okay. Um, that's what people do. And and this, and I'm hearing this from multiple people, not just like one person in particular. Um, so did you consider not coming back? Just My thing was, what I said was, because people kept asking me when am I coming back, and I kept telling them, when God sends me back. Um, okay. And But I, my thing was, I knew I had to come back to help build. Right. Because I'm like, listen, I because I, I had a lot of love. I have a lot of love for, for my city, for Sacramento. I I I bled in this city. I right. learned in this city. I grew in this city. I, I, I know the city like the back of my hand. And um, I watched a lot of beautiful things as well as some not so beautiful things take place in my city, which makes it all beautiful. Um, but I know that we like there's there's a lot of development <laughs> that needs to be right. done. Um so that was my goal too. I was especially in the part of town I was I was raised in, which is South Sacramento. Um, my goal was was to go to the East Coast to where I, where I heard the culture is real thick. Right there, you know, to 
to soak up a lot of wisdom, a lot of game, and bring it back. That was all. That was my intentions. Right. And I kept telling people, "I'm gonna come back." I didn't know when, though. Okay. That was my thing. Um. So yeah. So we're gonna so we're gonna take it full circle. So you okay. started off a legal tag team. Mm-hmm. Illegal before that. Mm-hmm. You know you've been shot and bled in the city, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you've grown. Yeah. Uh, spent some time in mahogany and other poetry venues. Yeah. You toured across the country. Yeah. And you came back. You know. So now. You just recently had a show, The Faithful Few. Mm-hmm. So how did that how did that develop? And then I actually want to get one of your newer pieces okay. before we wrap this thing up. because uh, I think we're getting kind of close. I got shouts out to the Faithful Few. Shouts out to one of one of the Faithful Few sisters of the crew came out to support Phoenix Divine. Mm-hmm. Clap it up for Phoenix Divine, y'all. All right. All right. All right. Um but not truly and honestly, that just like her being here and being a representative, that that is that is like that is just showing the level of support of the mm-hmm. collective. That is showing um, like everything that we kind of like stand for unity um, and try and so how that kind of came about. So Graffiti Blue, who I met maybe about three months before I left um, on my journey. So I believe like before. Like I said, every every hero's journey, before you actually cross that threshold and take that step out, you will have a meeting with a mentor. Okay. I believe he was one of my mentors, just somebody who, and he actually was just coming from the East Coast. And he just gave me some advice, some games, some tips for traveling. Okay. He was like, get a get a um get a nice, decent hotel, cheap, cheap but decent. All you need is somewhere where you can rest, put your bags down, wash up. And keep and, and go out and uh, to an open mic spot. So that was something I took with me. Okay. He also warned me about the shedding. The, not warned me, but he told me of because where I met him, that was the stage I was in the shedding the skin process. In other words, having to get having having to kind of let go of some things, some people, you know, just a lot of things in order to move forward. Right. We kept in close contact verbally. You know, through over the phone throughout my journey, and we would just call and just check in, and I would tell him about it. He also he spent time in D.C., so okay. he gave me some game about the D.C. scene. Okay, so you know, I talked to him about that and just different places, and just kind of kept me encouraged. Vice versa, kind of kept each other encouraged because we were like doing parallel journeys, uh, opposite okay. East Coast to West Coast, West Coast to East Coast. When I got back, because his thing, he is about unity. He's about, for, you know, bringing, bringing poets together, bringing art together. He's also very much about the, the main thing that I'm about, and that's delivering God's message, however that looks, creatively. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, and I do believe everybody that was connected in the faithful few was connected spiritually. Um, so he, he did the gathering, um, met up with Phoenix Divine, Diva Cat, both at Lunas, I believe. Um, my, uh, myself met me before I left. Russell Cummings, okay, uh, Mahogany's, Big Stan, also Mahogany's, right? Destiny, Destiny Robbins, Destiny the Diva, Robbins. I actually met her at one of my at the feature that I had at Mahogany, okay, that night. And so we all so he gathered everybody together. We we broke bread. We like hung out. We started building. We fellowshiped as family. But and and we and we all just brought to the table our art, our artwork, 
our different worlds that we come from, our different backgrounds. The faithful few, the, the whole thing was, it was a cipher. In other words, it was very organic. You know, it was, we, we kind of, there was little preparation. The most, the most preparation was us writing our pieces and getting to know each other deeply, you know, okay. and, and that's still, and that's still growing and we're still building. But when we got on that stage, like, honestly, I, I told him, like, I don't know what God wants me to give. I will. I, I, I truly believe that I will have my piece developed by Showtime. I didn't know when, though. Like I didn't. <laughs> I didn't have my piece written. I had so much going on that was blocking me uh, creatively, bro- blocking my inspiration. And so I was like, "But he, he's like, and and this is why I got so much love for Graffiti Blue because he was like, I already know. Come Showtime, God is going to give you what He wants to give you for you to give to the people. I already know mm-hmm. that." I know, I know that you're professional. I know that. And I was like, <clears throat> yo, I, I always, you know, I, I've, I've been in the habit of having to explain that process um, that sometimes like I don't know what piece I'm going to do or even have like a full piece written until showtime, until like it's time to get on that stage. And then like a lot of it would just come out of nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Once again, I just shared a lot. I don't share that. I don't share that process with a lot nice. of people. But so next week. Yeah. You know, I believe that you're. Uh, one of the featured poets for the Mahogany 16th. I am. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is August 22nd yeah. over at Harlow's Cafe. So uh-huh. if you want to come see Kuhn the Poet, that's one of the places. I believe tickets are uh, $10 uh, for the people that want to come check him out. Right on. Uh, Mahogany 16th, that's Mahogany Urban Poetry uh, Series, uh, 16th year anniversary. So that's 16 consistent years of poetry and spoken word uh, in Sacramento. Uh, Kuhn in a lot of ways, cut his teeth at the mahogany poetry scene. So you know, I think it'll be real good to see you back on that stage and doing your thing for the 16, which is a big deal because it's not a lot of poetry venues that last one year, you know, let alone 16 of them. Urban. Yeah, you know, urban, urban ones, yeah. In Sacramento. You know, um, yeah, so definitely. Um, so what else do you have, real briefly, what else do you have coming up that, you're, you, know, that you're, you want the audience to know about? Uh, I will actually, I believe I'll be at the Jamming on the Delta September 8th. Okay. Um, I'm currently, so my thing is I'm currently, I, and this is also what I came back for too, to do is I'm, I'm working on my book. Okay. So it's a poetic documentation of my journey. Um, it's entitled A Warrior's Journey, um, uh, A Dream Chase and a Purpose Walk. And so I will be documenting my journey you know, poetically with mm-hmm. pieces and, and that kind of thing. It is almost finished up. Um, I will, I'm looking toward, cause I don't want to rush it. Like I said, I don't like to uh, rush my work and just put something out to put something out. I want to do it the proper way right. and actually find a great publisher or publishing company. Um, but I'm looking toward the end of the year. Okay. Um, if not December ish, then the be- then the beginning of the year, 2016. Um, So that will be entitled The Warrior's Journey. um, And I'm also working on my audio project, my album, um, which will be entitled Pain to Power. Um, Nice. So I actually started recording that with a a real, real great, awesome, dope producer um, by the name of Maurice Carroll out there in Baltimore. Um, I have about five tracks recorded. Um, and he did, he put the instrumental around it and okay. it's beautiful. A lot of the tracks are beautiful. It, it tells a story. Um, yeah, great, great producer engineer to work with. Um, I'm going to finish the sec the other half of the album out here 
with uh with a few producer friends of mine. So y'all keep your eyes and your ears open. Um, but I do want to leave with this. So for me, this is deeper than poetry and it's way bigger than me. This is God's work. It is. This is uh, this being sacramental. It's time to build. I started this work as a, uh, you know, as a teenager mm-hmm. that was coming, that was healing, that was uh, rehabilitating um, from pain and, and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of hurt young people out there. And that's also that also goes into why I do the work that I do in the school districts and with young people, and especially on my side of town and other parts of town, uh, other cities or other areas like Del Paso Heights and right. wherever. There's a lot of shootings, killings, and young people dying out here right now. That was another reason why I came back, came back to kind of help with my youth ministry as well. To so one of my big goals, one of uh, is to build up my art center, and I am going to be reaching out to all my brothers and sisters in the poetry community and, okay. and to do so. I'm looking toward the South area, okay. um, the part of town that raised me. And so, because and, right now we, we need a safe right. place. Those young people need a safe place where they, especially the, the young artists like myself that you would never, you probably wouldn't even know they were artistic because of so many other distractions around them. But I believe if we had that safe place, if they had that safe place to create, they'll be able to flap their wings a little bit, a little bit stronger. So that's one of my goals out here. Nice. I think we ran out of time. I got ran my man looking at me. Brother, it's been a pleasure right spending on. the afternoon with Kuhn the Poet. Yeah. You know, spoken word artist. Yeah. Hip hop, freestyle artist, cypher, you know, extraordinaire uh, world traveling poet. Actually, I sent you that information. So, you know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> shouts out to Sean King, uh, you know, big brother in the game, um, an advisor, a mentor as well. Uh, I appreciate you, brother. So, you've been doing this thing for about 20 years, man. I think we're all really excited to see what the next 10 to 20 years look like in terms of your trajectory, in terms of what you're doing for the poetry community, but for the community as a whole as well. Uh, man, we're just really looking forward to seeing yeah. your star continue to shine because every time I see you on that stage, that's the one thing I notice is the light. Um, I see the light, you know, that comes from you every time you hit the stage. So I really appreciate you taking the time to spend with us this yeah. afternoon over here at the Naked Lounge, Naked Lounge. over on 11th and H. 11th uh, come by here and get some food or some beverages or some snacks anytime because I'm sure they would appreciate the business. And I think that's our time. All right. Over and down. All right. Y'all be blessed. Peace. God Peace. bless. Peace.